So what's it like being a guest? I mean, the idea of a guest is something that I think I learned by the time I was four or five years old, at least what the concept meant, how I was supposed to behave and what I was supposed to do, why I was supposed to do it. Um, And it was, of course, something that I had to practice um, without any parental supervision when I had my first sleepover or stayed somewhere and I didn't have them around to tell me what to do or how to act. (laughs) Thankfully, when it comes to being a guest on a podcast, the rules aren't quite as strict. You probably try and keep in the same ideas, Uh, being polite, being respectful, understanding the rules of uh, where you are, and... um, you know, just doing your best not to be, I guess, a jerk. Um, and I probably kept some of those ideas in mind when I was asked to join the DC Comics News staff, uh, specifically uh, DCN Editor-in-Chief Josh Rayner and uh, writer and news writer and reviewer Ari Bard for a podcast on the release of information that had come out immediately on the heels of the San Diego Comic-Con. This podcast was originally posted at the end of July on the 27th on DC Comics News, but I wanted to make sure that I wasn't stepping on any toes. Um, I gave it a full month before I uh, decided to add this to my podcast, and it was simply an opportunity to talk about what a great experience this was, how... It was my first time to be a guest on someone else's podcast, and it was a great opportunity to talk about something that was exciting for me. There were actually a lot of um, pieces of information that came out from Comic-Con that are things I'm excited about, uh, specifically the, uh, the word-of-mouth Wonder Woman trailer for Wonder Woman 84, which was a select screening for a trailer that has not been released to the general public. Um, The new trailer for uh, all of the uh, CW series that are coming out this fall and the introduction of Batwoman to the CW universe, which is something I'm really excited about. And also on the animated side, some new projects in the works and the trailer for a Young Justice Uh, new series, which is picking up a few years after the last one ended and kind of left a lot of us who were big fans of it um, hoping, waiting, wishing for this day to come and getting a chance to to hear the thoughts of others and how they mirrored my own but were different in the way that they interpreted what the information meant and what it meant to them and the things that they were looking for specifically. Uh, was a really great collaboration opportunity. I've had one or two podcasts where it's been myself and someone else, but this was an opportunity not only to be a guest, but to speak with two other people at the same time. And hopefully uh, I didn't step on anyone's um, voice <laughs> while we were doing this. Um, and that was something to keep in mind was the feeling of the question being asked and the anticipation and desire to answer, but then also trying to think about the fact that that's probably exactly what's going through the other person's mind, and how there can be that 
one to five second pause while you listen to see if the other person is about to begin speaking or uh, do something else along those lines to indicate that they're going to contribute their answer and that this is a good moment to wait, let them contribute, and then add yours instead of just being in a rush to say what's immediately coming to mind. So I'm uploading and adding a, uh, a draft of this podcast. Again, this was originally posted on DC Comics News. And uh, I would encourage checking them out so you can see all of their previous podcasts about DC uh, Comics information that's come out so far in 2018. And uh, just to give them a shameless plug, I would recommend following because there's a good chance more podcasts will be coming out, especially with the start of the new TV season and as we move into the end of the year and the announcements that always tend to come uh, during certain little chunks. And also because, who knows, maybe they'll ask me to come back on and do another uh, episode with them. And if you like hearing me here, maybe you'll enjoy hearing me there just as much. So without further ado, this is the DC Comics News Podcast, episode number five, covering San Diego Comic-Con 2018 with myself, DC Comics News Editor-in-Chief Josh Rayner, and DC Comics News Writer and Reviewer Ari Barn. Hope you enjoy, and I'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks so much. We had some big news out of San Diego Comic-Con this past weekend. Trailers galore, comic book news, and everything in between. This and much, much more on a brand new episode of DC Comics News. Welcome back to the DC Comics News Podcast. I am Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, and we're here today to give you all the news that happened over the weekend at San Diego Comic-Con. With me today, I have a couple of guests. I have DCN reviewer Seth Singleton. Say hello, Seth. Hey, Joshua. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And it's a pleasure to be here with Ari and to talk about all the exciting news that's coming out of San Diego Comic-Con. So, uh... Looking forward to all the questions you've got to ask, and I'm hoping my answers are up to the task. And also with us today is DCN news writer and reviewer Ari Bard. Say hello, Ari. Hey, guys. All right. So I think uh, we should just get right into the news. We have a lot to, to go through, so let's get right to it. All right, so we're going to start off with DC movie news. Warner Brothers confirmed that there is no Snyder Cut in the plans. They came out, they made a statement that they were never planning to mention uh, a Snyder Cut this weekend at San Diego Comic-Con and that they never had any plans to release any sort of alternate versions of Justice League. So I want to kind of get your thoughts on this. See, uh, you know, if it's something that you thought maybe, you know, it should happen or not, you know, just kind of give your overall thoughts. So, I'm kind of disappointed that uh, there will be no Snyder Cut, but I never really thought that there would be one anyway. Warner Bros. is pretty intent to move forward. Um, and 
Snyder's releasing Snyder's Justice League may um, I know there's a lot of fans that want something like that but it would really just be a, a step backward now for a universe that's announced so many promising new films like Aquaman um, Shazam and Wonder Woman so while I think that it would have been a very interesting thing to see maybe maybe eventually we'll get the script or something like that but in uh, a, a cut from Snyder especially a finished cut which probably doesn't even exist is I don't I don't think um, that's ever been in the question yeah, I was surprised to hear that they weren't going to be uh, releasing any any news about it, any any sort of cut, because uh, there's definitely a cut out there. Uh, whether it's completed or not, it's another story, because it's what Snyder showed to all the executives a few months back before the the movie actually came out. So I was actually kind of shocked to hear that they weren't going to even address it at all. So, but I, like I said, I know that it's out there somewhere. Maybe someday we'll actually get to see this this Snyder cut. Uh, what do you think, Seth? To be honest, I'm really not that surprised that the final decision from WB was that there will not be a Snyder edition of Justice League coming out this year, or any time in the future. I really feel that the announcement of Worlds of DC replacing the previous format that was expected for the DC Cinematic Universe is a way for DC to announce that it's turning a corner and that it was leading up to this with messages about things like not wanting to worry about continuity and telling a compelling story. And I feel that by deciding not to release the Snyder Cut, the decision by Warner Brothers is to move forward, to kind of let whatever mistakes happened in the past occur, and to know that they can you know, step aside from that now and focus on the newest things coming out, like Aquaman, and other upcoming DC films. Yeah, it's a great. I'm really hoping that this uh, the Aquaman movie kind of helps smooth that over and allows us fans to just kind of move past all that and and into the future of what DC is uh, is going to do. And with that, I wanted to talk about the uh, Aquaman trailer that dropped. Uh, I personally, I loved it. I loved how it showed the origin. Uh, that for those of people who aren't aware of it, it gave them a little sense of what Aquaman's about. Uh, I've, I loved those underwater scenes that James Bond's been talking about you know, since he started this. I thought the CGI uh, just looked phenomenal and had a real great cinematography. Uh, what do you think, Seth? Yeah, I actually think that's a great way for us to lead into Aquaman. I think the Aquaman trailer was really an exciting opportunity to see a, a new version of the DC universe. Um, I think that the versions that we got to see in uh, Man of Steel were a nice opportunity to start off with, but things quickly turned darker with Batman, Superman, and Justice League. And I feel like we've come back to the light with Aquaman. I think it's a... Well, it was a great trailer. I really liked the way that it showed a lot of the brightness and the ingenuity and the creativity of Atlantis, and it also made it you know, seem like a very much underwater world, the design... All the different elements seem to be thoughtfully crafted and created. And it was a great way to see uh, Atlantis, Atlanteans, and get some sort of understanding of the world before we've really dropped into it. You know, the idea that they, uh, they have the ritual combat and uh, the different weaponry and the uh, armaments. 
And I think that was a great first glimpse, and I'm really excited for what I know is going to be a, a lot of different trailers to follow it. So, uh, yeah, Aquaman was really a great bright light for me, and I think it was a really good introduction to what I hope is a uh, really positive new chapter for uh, the WB and DC movies. Yeah, I definitely agree with what, uh, with what you said there. What do you think, Ari? So I, I really liked Aquaman's trailer. I thought visually it's one of the best things I've ever seen come out of the DC Universe. I thought that all of the characters looked great, especially uh, Black Manta and Aquaman himself. Um, I thought that, you know, it's it really is somewhat like uh, James Wan said. It's more than a superhero movie. It's going to be... Uh, really like a adventure sci-fi type movie. I mean, it looks like it looks just amazing. The underwater scenes were unbelievable, and I'm also very appreciative that he put in some humor there as well. And speaking of trailers, Aquaman wasn't the only film for WB that uh, had a trailer come out over San Diego Comic-Con. We also saw the trailer for Shazam. This one's quite a bit different from the Aquaman one. It's a lot brighter, a lot more humor. So I just kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on it. What would you think of the uh, Shazam trailer, Seth? Yeah, when it comes to uh, Shazam, I'm just going to say that, uh, you know, it was another positive example. And I like that what we're doing here is focusing on the fact that it's not easy to be a hero and that what we're dealing with is a character who clearly has trust issues moving from orphanage to orphanage and the way that this impacts who he is when he first gains his powers and also the realization that he needs help and that he has to turn to his housemate who uh, has to use braces to walk and I think a lot of people are hoping will eventually play a role as maybe Captain Marvel Jr. or Shazam Jr however they choose to use the names. But um, I think the fact that they showed a great clip of him turning to that boy as the adult Shazam and saying, I need your help. I don't know how to be a superhero. You do. Um, that was a really nice way to establish this sense of what it means to learn how to be a superhero and to show that through the, the elements of the story uh, that they're going to be putting on the screen. So... Again, another bright spot for the uh, WB and for DC movies. Um, really excited to see what the next trailers coming out are going to be like. This was a lot of fun. And yeah, I am familiar with the, uh, the comparisons to Big. And I think that's fine because in many ways, a lot of people pointed to the fact that what Tom Hanks was able to do in Big really defined him as a great actor. I can't see that we can expect anything uh, less of an opportunity for our lead actor in Shazam. And I don't want to put too much pressure on Zachary Levi, but um, I really do believe that he's got the uh, the acting skills to, to make this a really enjoyable experience. I loved how uh, this really shows his origin, because as I was talking to my wife, she, has, she had no idea who Shazam was. Like, she knew who Aquaman was, but she had no idea who Shazam was. And she even said that she really love that it showed the origin because she had no idea so i like that they're doing that in these first trailers here and that transformation scene when he yells shazam and the bolt hits him and he turns into i love that it looked so awesome on screen i can't wait to see it uh, actually in the theaters what about you ari what'd you think of uh, the shazam trailer the shazam trailer was i think my favorite thing that i saw at comic-con um 
I'm super excited for uh, this movie now that I've seen uh, some footage of it. I thought that Zachary Levi especially did a great job of playing what is really a 14-year-old in his own body. And I, I, I thought he did a great job of that. I thought I think it's going to be really funny and it's going to introduce a lot of fans to a character that isn't really that well known and has had one of the most complex um, origin and then reimaginings in the DC universe. So I am super excited about this uh, this movie because of its tone, its its, and um, sort of the way it's set apart from what we've seen in a really long time from the DC universe. Absolutely, I think uh, that Shazam will be a much needed change of pace for DC, and hopefully the uh, audiences will you know be able to kind of roll with what they're doing on this. And that wasn't the only footage debuted at Comic-Con this past weekend. We also saw some exclusive footage from Wonder Woman that was shown just for the fans who were lucky enough to be in Hall H. I do have the description here. The footage starts with Wonder Woman flying down into the middle of a typical American mall. The 1980s decor and clothing are readily apparent, while Wonder Woman's outfit is also more colorful and gleaming. A little girl is standing there as Diana lands and says, Oh my God, in awestruck tones, before Diana gently hurls her out of harm's way and into the arms of, of a convenient giant teddy bear yards away, and goes after two armed and dangerous men in the middle of the mall atrium. She f- fights and quickly subdues them, roping them both with the lasso of truth and dragging them behind her as she runs and jumps from one level of the mall to the next. The scene quickly cuts to the Wonder Woman 1984 logo before we get one more quick shot, this time of the Amazonian superhero running at top speed down a street through stalled cars and people. I think this... Uh, this footage sounded sounds really cool. It's obviously just a, a short scene from the film, so uh, it's obviously just something that they wanted to show for the fans that were there in Hall H. It's not something that we're going to see probably until the movie actually comes out, but uh, I just kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on that. Also, uh, Gal Gadot came out and said that Wonder Woman 1984 is not actually a sequel. It's, it's something a little different, so I'm interested to get to your thoughts on that uh, and just kind of see what you thought of the footage as a whole. Uh, what did you think about it, Ari? So this footage, it's not much to go on, but it is very... Um, there is some stuff that we can gather from it. This scene looks to be um, straight from Rucka's Wonder Woman uh, story, um, and that was a story I, I really enjoyed. So I'm very excited to see uh, if they pull, if that's where the movie is coming from, and I'm really excited to see more from uh, Wonder Woman 84. I think that, you know, Wonder Woman, now we're finally getting to see um, and we're finally realizing how important of a hero she is. And I'm really glad that more and more fans are able to see, um, are able to see this. It's, I'm also really glad that um, they announced that it's a separate movie because whenever, whenever uh, a studio treats a movie like a sequel, that often... Um, shoehorns it into a certain a certain box, and I think that w- by saying it's not a it's, it's not a sequel, it's something it's something much different. That Wonder Woman Year One or and Wonder Woman 1984 is going to really be something special. 
All right, thanks, Arya. And and Seth, what were your thoughts? Okay, so I'm going to be honest about the Wonder Woman footage. Um, you know, really, part of the mystery is the excitement that there was an exclusive quality to those who got a chance to, or for those who got a chance to see it when they were in Hall H. Um, you know, the idea behind San Diego Comic-Con is that when you go there, you get to see things that people won't get to see for some time afterwards. You get to be the first. That should always be part of the experience, and I think that making something like the next Wonder Woman a highly anticipated uh, follow-up film to a really great debut is a perfect way to build the excitement. Um, and the description, I think, is really great. The idea of a mall in the 80s with the decor, uh, it's something that's been really popular in culture and in fashion. And I know it's a time period that is continually being mined because it's got so much rich material available. So uh, I think it's a great place to have it. And going to the idea of it being uh, a sequel or not, I mean, I, uh, I don't have any problem with that. I think one of the things that's being pointed at is that there isn't as much of a focus right now on building the story so that one links to the other and connectivity. I think that there's elements that are going to be threaded throughout them, and that will be something that can be drawn on for future stories. But um, the fact that it's not a sequel, I think only leaves the opportunity for uh, a future sequel or for another way to present these stories than what we're used to seeing, which is the idea of an initial and then one, two, or however many sequels to follow. The live-action films weren't the only things that were discussed this weekend at San Diego Comic-Con, as DC also announced three brand-new animated films coming out in 2019. That'll put it up to four total for that year, with the previously announced Reign of the Supermen. The three announced are Justice League vs. The Fatal Five, Batman Hush, and Wonder Woman Bloodlines. So I wanted to kind of first just talk about Justice League versus The Fatal Five, see what you guys thought about that. Uh, the Fatal Five made their comic debut in 1967. They originally were a band of supervillains that the Legion of Superheroes uh, had to turn to when the Earth was being threatened. Not sure uh, if the Legion's going to be any part of this, as it does say it's Justice League versus The Fatal Five. So I just kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on a, a Fatal Five movie and if it's something that you're looking forward to. So I haven't had a chance to really chime in about the DC animated movies, but I am really excited that right after Death of Superman is going to be Reign of the Superman. I think it's a really great way to uh, to introduce uh, what was a really compelling storyline, the idea of four people vying for the chance to be a successor and all holding what they held, hoped were the most valid claims. Um, I thought it was a great chance to uh, explore some rich history that exists as recent as the 90s. And um, I also think it's a great way to set up for the other stories to follow. Um, I've been a fan of the Fatal Five since I read them uh, in a really great storyline that occurred in the Legionnaires in uh, the 90s. And I actually enjoyed that uh, a lot because of how it presented not only the Persuader, but also the Emerald Empress, who was a scared ghoul, girl, not ghoul, who ends up with the uh, the Emerald Eye, and it transforms her from being in a sort of uh, mild outcast who gets rejected from a Legionnaire's tryout into a woman who can now sort of shine, and she relishes the ability to 
use that power to not only take vengeance, but then after she struggles to do so on her own, to then join up with the Persuader and others and to learn that she can now take on this role of the, uh, the Emerald Empress and be uh, a powerful person and someone who can be feared when she links up with the Fatal Five. I think they'll be a great matchup for the Justice League. I'm really excited to see uh, how they choose to square off the one-on-one scenarios that are always great in these moments, and I think it's going to be a really enjoyable film. What do you think, Ari? So Justice League versus the Fatal Five, I'm not too familiar with the Fatal Five, but um, I do. I have a ton of trust in the DC animated team. They've never let me down. I've loved all of their animated movies that I've seen, especially the Justice League movies. I really grew up on animated Justice League, so that's really what brought me into the DC Universe. So I'm super excited to see um, a new Justice League movie with characters that I'm not, I'm not too familiar with. Yeah, I, I'm definitely excited for it, but I think the one that I'm the most excited for is the next one that we're going to talk about, and that's Batman Hush. One of my favorite uh, comic storylines, and I've been super excited for this into an animated film. It's been in the talks for quite a while, and uh, I just want to get your guys' thoughts on that. So, uh, Seth, how about with you? Yeah, Batman Hush was one of those stories. And because of how it was first introduced and then later how it developed and then came to its uh, final revelation, and I'm sorry if you feel that what I'm about to say regarding Hush is a spoiler, please turn away for about 20 seconds and then you should be able to come back without too much interruption. But the uh, reveal that it was the Riddler behind it all and that this somewhat harmless character in many stories up until this point had been able to so effectively not only hurt Batman but also play him along with a mystery that um, he struggled to solve that actually kept him tossing and turning and confused as he tried to figure out which direction things were going to go next and I think getting a chance to see that animated and presented to a wider audience really also will lend to a, an opportunity to then see the Riddler as a new character and perhaps some stories to uh, demonstrate just how powerful he is now and as we've seen in some of the comic book versions with him versus Joker. Kind of rambled on there a bit about Hush but really excited to see that as an animated version. Um, I'm hoping this is going to rank up there somewhere like the uh, Dark Knight's Returns. And what do you think, Ari? Are you excited for Batman Hush? I'm very excited to see um, this reimagining. I think that it's such a rich story with so many characters and so um, and so many different plot lines that I'm I'm really interested in to see how um, the animated team is able to bring this to life. I think that it may be a little bit difficult because it's such a complex story and Usually the animated films are a bit shorter, but I I have no doubt that the animated uh, DC animated universe is up to the challenge, and that Batman Hush I'm just super excited uh, for when it comes out in summer 2019. 
Absolutely. Hush is definitely one of my most anticipated. And with that, we actually have one more uh, animated film coming out next year, and that's Wonder Woman Bloodlines. Now, there's really there, there's no release date yet other than it's coming out next year. Uh, there's no plot synopsis or anything like that yet. It's just they just released the title. Um, but I, I'm really happy that they're finally doing another Wonder Woman film as it's been almost 10 years since the last animated film, which came out in 2009. So uh, I, th- I think it's it's definitely about time, and I'm sure because of the popularity of the live-action film that they finally decided to come out with a new animated one. So hopefully this one will be just as good as the first one. And so I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. So I'm going to start with you, Ari. What do you think about uh, Wonder Woman Bloodlines coming out in 2019? So like I said before, Wonder Woman uh, is finally getting the recognition she deserves. And so it's only fitting that she get another animated film um, since we had the one back in 2009. And, I th- and I'm... You know, not really familiar with this story or what it will be about. We haven't we haven't really gotten that many details, like you said. But uh, I'm super excited, and I'm gonna watch it just like I'm gonna watch uh, the other two animated movies because the animated team has proven themselves to be a steady store a steady source of entertainment. They've managed to make movies that are thought provoking and adult, um, even behind animation instead of live action so i think that you know whatever the story is whether it be justice league or batman or wonder woman or any character um it's always worth giving the animated team the chance that they've earned it's great and uh what about you seth are you looking forward to this one um i think the idea that she's only had one film out of uh 30 Dating back to 2009, yeah, that's a big deal. And she's a rising star who deserves to have more animated stories because uh, just like I believe the story of uh, Hush needs to be uh, spread to a wider audience, so too do I think the stories of Wonder Woman. And we've clearly seen from the movie appearances that there's a hungry audience willing and desiring to see more from her. So Wonder Woman Bloodlines is a really smart move by DC Animated. And, uh, you know, I know Ari said it, uh, and I agree, which is that DC uh, Animated hasn't really given me a reason to doubt them. They've been great, they've been really effective, and I think this is another opportunity for them to shine. Excellent. That about wraps up everything in the world of movies. Now we're going to move on to TV news. And uh, first off, I'd like to start talking about DC's announcement of their pricing and pre-order plans for their DC Universe streaming service. Right now, you can sign up at $74.99 for their annual pre-order, which also includes three extra free months. So you're getting 15 months total for $74.99. Or uh, and then once the uh, site launches uh, next month, it'll be $7.99 per month. So I just kind of wanted to talk to you guys about what you thought of uh, this pricing plan, if it's something that you're going to sign up for. I'm going to start with you, Ari. What do you think about the DC Universe's pricing and pre-order plans? So I think this pricing is great. I I did the annual pre-order with the three extra free months, and those three extra free months really add a lot because, um, you know, $75 for 15 months, that's 
that's five dollars a month and that's that's really not much for what essentially is in 15 months i'm expecting to see around five new new shows released and that's a lot of content i think um and that's a lot of content that i will for sure watch um dc is such a big such such an importance to me that um you know, I'll be interested in whatever they put out, even interested enough to give it a chance. And so, um, and that, in addition to all these comics, um, hope a lot of them that are out of print, and it's going to be rotating. So, you know, I'll I'll get all the comic reading that I that I want from this. Um, the way I see it is that. Uh, I will take this chance on the streaming service that I think will be a great success and then they have a full 15 months to convince me to do it again and I really have no doubt that they will. Alright, and then uh, what about you Seth? Is this something that you're planning on uh, signing up for when it comes out? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I've really been on the fence about where and when I would invest into a, uh, a paid or prepaid platform. But the DC Universe pricing and pre-order makes a really great argument. The uh, $74.99 annual plus the three extra months really creates a great opportunity for those who get in early. It makes it an affordable price point that um, is equal to a lot of the other services that you can gradually find yourself buying into when you start to realize what they access. And I think the DC Universe package offers so many different options that it will be a a really great value and uh, I'm gonna admit I haven't gotten on it yet but knowing that you both have lets me know that yes I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'm gonna be ordering mine really soon definitely want to take advantage of it before that three-month opportunity uh, for free months passes up and speaking of original content, DC also released some trailers for some of their DC Universe shows, and I'd like to start off talking about the Titans trailer that they released. Uh, I, I really enjoyed this trailer. Most of the character d- designs looked really good. Uh, my only reservations that I had were about uh, Beast Boy and Starfire. You didn't really get to see much from them. I did like that uh, Beast Boy's skin was green in the trailer, uh, something we hadn't actually seen in any of the promotional photos. And I did like that they at least gave Starfire's skin a little bit of, a, of an orange glow to it, and they showed a little bit more of the CGI that we hadn't actually seen yet. I'm still a little bit hesitant on on both their looks, but uh, I'm, I'm definitely willing to wait and see uh, when the show releases, and, I, and I'll judge then. I'm also interested by this TVMA rating. You know, they had there was a lot of blood, violence. There was some obvious uh, harsh language in this trailer, and you know, some people have been really kind of attacking this trailer because of some of these aspects of it, which I find interesting because you know people have been wanting an R-rated Batman film for years, but are now kind of attacking this trailer for those very reasons, which I find kind of interesting. So. What about you, Ari? Uh, what did you think of the trailer? So, the Titans trailer was a bit uh, controversial. Um, I had uh, a lot of mixed feelings about it. I I don't mind the dark tone. I think that they announced the dark tone a while ago, so I, I wasn't expecting anything different. I, um, I'm sort of not really understanding where some fans are coming from, where they wanted it 
and expected it to be something much lighter. Uh, DC has made it very clear that this was going to be a darker show. Uh, I think where my troubles come in um, is the color palette I think is very dark and I often have issues with something like that. Um, but, you know, the tone is a, a, a dark show. That doesn't necessarily mean everything, every visual needs to be dark, but maybe that's just what we saw in the trailer. Uh, as for the character designs, um, I, I like the way Raven was designed. I like the way Robin was designed. Um, Starfire, we haven't seen that much, so I'm going to reserve judgment until we see a day-to-day -day sort of Starfire look. Um, and then the one that I'm a bit concerned about is Dove. Uh, that's not really the version of the character that I was hoping for. I was hoping for the, uh, the yin and yang um, sort of duo where Hawk is this sort of aggressive character while Dove, um, his or her fighting style would have been to sort of use the opponent's momentum against them, uh, the peace-loving type Dove that, that, um, originated in the comics. And what'd you think of the trailer, Seth? Yeah, the Titans trailer, man. I'm gonna be honest. I thought it was a great trailer. I uh, I really like the introduction of the characters, and I'm gonna agree with Ari about the idea that yeah, I don't always like the darker palette, which was something I had an issue with with uh, Batman versus Superman, and then also in Justice League. But I feel that it works in this storyline, and actually, it takes me back to the uh, the Perez run back when I know that there was an issue with how dark those stories were. And maybe it was too dark for a comic about teen sidekicks who were forming a team of their own. I think it's something that um, is a great challenge, and I think it's something that the uh, storytelling, writing, and overall the show can rise above if it focuses on the best parts, which is that the Titans were a team that came together and supported each other. And they worked through their biggest challenges together by believing in each other and what they could do for each other. Um, so I think it's going to be a great one. And uh, even though I know there's been some flack about some of the things like the F Batman and things like that, I think that it's probably going to be an important part of the storyline. And that when you think about the fact that they've also included Jason Todd and Donna Troy that it might be valid for him to say that, knowing what we know about what happened to Jason Todd and um, the issues it created for the DC Universe when he came back. Um, I think Jason Todd has a story that deserves to be told, and I also believe that he and Donna Troy have, uh, have kind of been left out and that their stories are going to be really enjoyable to see on the, uh, on the screen and to see uh, in all the different ways that we know they have been told and the ones that they choose to, to use for this version. I think it's really going to be a great opportunity for, uh, for us to see a new area that can be explored when it comes to DC's uh, live-action universe. Yeah, you definitely make some great points. Now, the, the next trailer that uh, we're going to talk about is the Young Justice Outsiders trailer. Uh, which I was very excited to uh, to see. Uh, the first half of this trailer was actually a nice recap of season two, for uh, for which is good for those who haven't uh, watched it in a while or who haven't seen it in general. It really 
help to get people up to speed as to what was going on at the end of that season, which uh, I, I really enjoyed. And as far as the uh, actual portion of the trailer with the new footage, I love the look and the tone of it. I thought it fit right in with the previous seasons. It looked uh, perfect. Looked like it had, you know, had hadn't taken these five years off. Um, I also like that uh, it looks like they're not necessarily focusing on the light. But uh, they will touch on Apocalypse and, and some new Genesis stuff as you do see uh, Orion in the trailer. So I just kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on that. I'm going to start with you, Ari. What did you think of the Young Justice Outsiders trailer? So with Young Justice, uh, I grew up watching that show and I loved it when it was out five years ago. And I'm even more excited now that it's coming out again. I think that like the rest of the animated universe... Um, the the Young Justice universe is very adult for an animated show and I think that um, they're taking a lot of risks and I think that they've all paid off especially now with this time another time jump I think that's great for the characters and for helping them develop I can't wait to see how we pick up from where we left off and I also can't wait to see some of these new characters especially Static Shock, who got a little bit of screen time back in Season 2. Uh, he's one of my favorite characters, and we, um, we're getting to see him in a comic this fall or winter, and now we're getting to see him in Young Justice, so I'm very happy about that. All right, and uh, Seth, what are your thoughts on it? Thanks for asking me that question. Um, one of the things I really enjoyed about the Young Justice trailer was that it was such a great presentation, that it did a good job of catching us up on the last five years. Remember, it's been five years since we saw the ending, and even then, there had been a time jump from the first to the second season, which had been a little bit of an adjustment for some viewers. But now it's been five years since that, well, really impressive and also groundbreaking and earth-shattering ending. Uh, so many different elements that came into play, whether it was our two uh, double spies or it was the uh, budding relationship between Artemis and Wally or the part of that relationship that caused Wally to give his life and the sorrow and sadness that that ending brought to a really compelling and exciting storyline. So now here we are five years later, and it seems as though there's been enough time to pass that the team is willing to get together for one more mission, just a simple thing to help knock out a band of uh, traffickers who are trying to take advantage of those with superpowers, which brings into play a popular character, Tara, the, according to the previews, uh, missing, kidnapped sister of Brion of Markovia. So we're going to get a chance to see Terra and her powers and the discovery that Brion also has a metagene and can use those powers as we know he will uh, to become the superhero of Markovia. And I think all these elements, including the uh, continuing of the Vandal Savage and Darkseid storyline, really makes for, well, an exciting return for a great team that I know I'm not the only one who's excited to see them. And I'm sure that for the fans who knew them from the past, as well as the new fans who only know them from those two short seasons, 
This is going to be a very exciting year for all of those fans to come together, for them to take everything in and also to have their viewpoints, whether they are originals or new viewers to the game. And I think that what's important is that DC Animated Universe has done it again. They've provided uh, quality work that meets the expectations of the audience. And by doing so, it fails to disappoint. I'm really excited about Young Justice. And this trailer, it really did it justice. And that's not the only thing that's coming new to the DC Universe streaming service. Uh, Jeff Johns came out and announced that they are creating a Stargirl series, which he will write and produce alongside Greg and Sarah Schrechter. It'll be 13 episodes coming in 2019, and it'll follow high school student Cole Whitmore. She bands together with the Justice Society of America to fight villains, past and present. Wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this new Stargirl series. It's something that you're looking forward to, you don't really care about. Let me hear you. I'm not too familiar with uh, Star Stargirl, but... I know how passionate Johns is about this character, and whenever Johns is passionate about something, he's going to really just put so much into it, and it's really hard to to doubt him, because he's he's put out so many great things over the years that uh, you just have to trust that he's going to put out something great again, because he's really never let me down. So, especially with a character that he helped create, I really see this series becoming something special, you know. Um, people may have their doubts about Titans, um, and they may be worried for some of the other shows, but I I genuinely think that something like this, that something like Stargirl, that, um, is, that seems like Johns is almost like 100% behind, is just, I can't wait to see it. And what do you think of this upcoming Stargirl series, Seth? I think that Stargirl, um, well, I think it's a great option. Um, I would be behind Stargirl live action or animated. I think the idea of a story about a girl who uses a powered weapon that she's sometimes going to get separated from, and that's also going to create problems for her because she'll have to think on her feet or have to rely on those other superhero qualities that aren't just about your powers that are about knowing to do what's right and how to uh, figure out a tough situation and how to overcome things when it looks like you just don't have the skills and you actually don't. What you have is the wits and the will. And I think it's a great uh, opportunity to show that. I think we're drawing more and more women to the stories of the DC Universe and Stargirl is only going to be another opportunity for more inclusion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is this will make the fourth live action series that they'll be bringing to the DCU. So I'm really excited that they're really trying to branch out and get, bring us different types of characters, not just you know Batman, Superman that kind of stuff. So we're getting some different stuff with you know Star Girl, Doom Patrol, uh, Swamp Thing, all that kind of stuff. So I'm really excited for that. Next up, we have uh, the DC TV trailers that dropped. There were a whole lot of them that dropped. We had Legends of Tomorrow, Flash, Supergirl, Arrow, Krypton, Preacher, Black Lightning. I mean, they all dropped trailers over that weekend. Uh, so what I decided I want to do is uh, we're just going to talk about a couple of them that we like. You know, see if there's some that kind of stand out to us. And for me, I loved that Arrow trailer. I thought it was fantastic. It reminded me of the old uh, Green Arrow Supermax script that had been floating around 
for uh, quite a while. You know, with Oliver in prison having to fight his way out. I thought that was really cool. Obviously, they're taking some uh, inspiration from that. So I, I'm really glad that we're finally going to be able to see something, uh, you know, kind of in that vein. The other one that I really liked was the the Flash trailer. You know, seeing all the stuff with Nora was really cool. I'm excited to see uh, what they do with her character. And um, I'm assuming that at the end of that trailer, that was Cicada, as it had been revealed that Chris Klein uh, was cast as Cicada for this upcoming season. And uh, so I'm assuming that's who that was at the end of the trailer. Uh, now, one of the trailers that kind of disappointed me was that Black Lightning trailer because it really, all it was was a five-minute recap of season one, had no new footage from season two. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching. I was like, okay, well, maybe it'll be like that Young Justice trailer and half of it will be a recap and the other half will be uh, you know, an actual trailer, especially because it was a five-minute long trailer. But it wasn't, so it was literally just five minutes of you know a season one recap and so i was really kind of disappointed in that one i love the show and so i love seeing that footage but i would have really liked even just a little bit even just you know 60 seconds of of new footage from the season would have been great so i just kind of want to get your guys thoughts uh on this we also saw a, a sizzle reel that you know went through you know all the different cw shows you know, Supergirl and all them. And at the end of it, it teased Batwoman, who's coming in for the the crossover event, which I'm really excited about. I love the character of Kate Kane. She's one of my favorite Bat family characters, and I love that they're actually bringing, branching out and bringing someone from the Bat family into this universe. I mean, they've, you know, referenced things. They've referenced Gotham. They've referenced Bruce Wayne. So... It's really nice to see them finally actually bring an actual character from it into this world. And I'm excited to see what they do with it. So, Seth, I'm going to start with you. What did you think uh, of these trailers? And are you excited to see Batwoman come in? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Black Lightning, the uh, the trailer didn't feature any new information. And... Um, and I was okay with that because I felt that some of the things that were dug up in that first season still provide uh, a lot of the source where the great material uh, can be pulled from. I think that between the, uh, the tension and constant struggle between uh, Black Lightning and the community that is used to things going uh, with a lot of violence and that has had issues with... Uh, drugs and crime, that's always going to be fertile ground. And I think the way that they addressed racial tensions in the past season is still going to be really rich. I feel like that's still uh, in the news. There's opportunities for them to mirror that and to explore that. Plus the development of the growth of the two daughters who now both have powers and can show us what it's like based on how they're both at different age spectrums to deal with those powers in the day-to-day situations they have, and also what it's like as they grow as powered people who are now going to be out on the streets, either with their dad or uh, doing work on their own, maybe even together. That could be a pretty cool sisters team up. But uh, even despite all that, 
you know, the fact that there wasn't a lot of new material. I liked seeing the recap because it reminded me of all the things that I enjoyed from the first season and that I know still has to be explored and developed uh, in season two and maybe even season three. I'm sure there's going to be new stuff, but what I saw reminded me of all the things I really enjoyed. Um, also, another great one for me would be uh, Supergirl. I really liked what we saw uh, as far as the tease leading up to Batwoman. I would have enjoyed seeing a costume or some other sort of hint. But from what I understand, there wasn't even a casting announced at the time they pulled that trailer together. I'm not 100% sure on that. But uh, I do like the idea that we're going to get to see Kate Kane come into play and that uh, the trailer's references were uh, a lot of fun for me. All right, fantastic. And uh, what about you, Ari? Uh, any of these trailers stand out to you? So with the TV trailers, I think that my favorites were uh, Legends of Tomorrow and Arrow. Um, Legends of Tomorrow, we didn't get that much new footage, but I, I love to see Matt Ryan as Constantine in action. It's, it's, there aren't very many live-action uh, DC characters that the actor is just so synonymous with the character like Matt Ryan is. I mean, Matt Ryan is Constantine, and uh, I think that's great. And I'm really happy to, that he's back and joining the Legends. Um, they've always been, my, I think, one of my favorite CW shows because... Their tone is just really just a um, just really light, and uh, they bring a, a lot of levity to some of the darker uh, CW shows. I also really like the Arrow trailer. Um, I haven't actually watched Arrow probably since season four or five, but the trailer really really grabbed my attention. The Oliver being in prison and and maybe having to fight his way out. Is, is really a compelling story to me. Um, so I might have to go back and catch up and see what exactly I've been missing. And uh, what about this Batwoman tease? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm not sure what we're going to get out of this the Batwoman um, series and crossover. I'm really excited for it. I think that um, Batwoman's a great character to add to this universe. Um, Kate Kane's been getting a lot of attention lately, and I think for good reason. I think she's a great character, so I'm excited uh, what the, to see what the CW um, shows are really going to be able to add to that character. Some great insights, guys. Thanks. Uh, and, that, and that brings us into our next section, which is comic book news. Uh, there was a lot of comic book news that dropped over San Diego Comic-Con, especially over the first couple of days. That's really where it was comic book heavy. So what I did is I picked out uh, some of the bigger stories that I thought would uh, interest the fans, some of the stuff that we, you know, I think would be way more interesting to talk about. And uh, so I'm going to start off with the Batman Who Laughs miniseries. For those of you who don't know, the Batman Who Laughs is a uh, it's like a twisted version of Batman who uh, becomes the Joker. Uh, originally started off in the Dark Knight's Metal series. And this uh, Batman Who Laughs miniseries will be a horror-oriented miniseries by writer Scott Snyder and artist Jock that again pits Batman against his twisted mirror image. But this time, the Batman Who Laughs will have a new partner. The series will introduce another Dark Knight from the Dark Multiverse, one who's become obsessed with guns ever since shooting Joe Chill as a child. He's described as Batman meets the Punisher. 
I I think that just saying that Batman meets the Punisher that sounds fantastic to me because that's you know one of the things about Batman is that he doesn't use guns so this is like the, the you know the polar opposite of the Batman that we all know and love so I think it's a real interesting take and uh, I'd love to hear what you guys think of this uh, I'm going to start with you Ari what do you think about the Batman Who Laughs miniseries is it something that you're going to be picking up the Batman Who Laughs was probably my favorite thing about the Dark Knight's Metal event. I think that for an event that was really up and down for me, that that wasn't always the best, uh, the the evil Batman and their spin-off origin stories were some of the best uh, character origins that I've read in a, in a long time. So to know that the Batman Who Laughs, which is one of the more rich of those evil Batman um, in terms of origin and in terms of story i think to see that he's gotten his own series is something that is really exciting um it's also adding a lot to this horror element that dc is going with um more and more with titles like justice league dark uh and some and some other ones so i am super excited for this batman who last miniseries and I, i'm really excited to see you know what's going to happen uh, in Immortal Men. I, I heard that Immortal Men is likely canceled, as in the uh, solicit for the trade paperback. There's no volume one, which suggests that it's canceled. So it seems like that element will be dropped. I'd like to see it connected somehow, but I uh, will. We'll just have to wait and see what what happens. How about you, Seth? Uh, is Batman Who Laughs one of those series that? Uh is really piquing your interest? Yeah, moving into the comic book news is always a lot of fun. The uh, the announcement of the Batman Who uh, Laughs miniseries I think is great. Um, from the moment I saw the first images, the Batman Who Laughs has been terrifying. And his performance, his character, the way he acts and moves and thinks, it just reflects how much of the opposite the dark multiverse is two hours and all the different ways it can change the way stories will develop based on how these characters from that place think which is so twisted and opposite from ours um, his own miniseries will really give us a chance to delve into more about how he became who he is and the turning points and different characters that it became a, a clash with and what he t did to kind of deal with them and how that helped shape the Batman who laughs that we get to see uh, as he's been appearing. And uh, yeah, Arya, I know you pointed out the uh, the fact that he's made some appearances in uh, The Immortal Men and the fact that that might not be continuing because it's not had the best performance. And whether they choose to close him out in that series or just pull him out and drop him into this miniseries or the two have a different sort of timeline effect and one's before the other... Um, I think it's just great to have more of him involved, and hopefully that can mean the introduction of some other new characters. Like you mentioned, the uh, the introduction now of a character who's like the Batman and the Punisher. I think that's a really cool idea. Um, and how he became that way and turned to the gun, and it sounds a little bit like what we've seen from uh, some of the other multiverse versions of Batman, like the uh, the Thomas Wayne version that occurred in the Flashpoint series. Um, so yeah, Batman Who Laughs, really pleased to see what the miniseries is like, totally going to admit that it will scare me because he's just scary. Yeah, it's definitely a series that I'm, I'm pretty excited for, 
you know, I love the look of uh, the Batman who laughs and, and, and the demeanor and everything about that character. So I'm, I'm just as you guys had said, you know, I think it'll be a really interesting uh, series to check out. And uh, staying in the world of Gotham, Jeff Johns and Jason Fabic will be taking on three Jokers, uh, which will be a three-issue miniseries coming to DC Black Label. It's described as a grounded emotional story about the mystery of the Joker. It will focus on Bruce, Barbara, and Jason. Jeff Johns went on to say uh, that this is a story about the shared pain between Bruce, Barbara, and Jason and the way that some scars heal wrong and some heal right. As I said, it will be part of uh, DC Black Label and there's been no release date yet. This is uh, a, a story that Jeff Johns has been working on for a few years now. Ever since a few years back when uh, Batman spoke to that to the Mobius chair and found out that there were multiple Jokers. You know, this is something that's been rattling around in his head. So I'm glad that he's finally getting the chance to uh, bring it to fruition. And so I'm really interested to uh, hear you guys' thoughts on this one. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Seth. What do you think about Three Jokers by Jeff Johns and Jason Fabic? Three Jokers series. Um, I think this is really neat. I kind of find it confusing, this idea that it's going to the DC Black Label, but they're saying it will have continuity. I'm not sure if I'm just tired reading news blurbs in the wrong order, or I just get easily confused. But the idea of the Three Jokers as a storyline, I think, is really cool. I think the idea that was brought up uh, initially when... uh, the question was raised by Batman in the Mobius chair about who the identity of the Joker is and the different theories that have come out, one being that, no, there's three, and that now we get to see who they are. And also, just in the, the news blurbs that I saw, the reference to uh, a storyline in which one Joker opens the door to a cabin and there's another Joker, and the first Joker says, hey, you're wearing my shirt. And... <laughs> That lets me know that there's going to be this sort of like dark offhand humor that, you know, a Joker personality can handle things. But I think it also points that, you know, as the story references that each one is going to be uh, a key factor in the development of these three different characters and how it shows that the recovery from an awful moment can uh, occur both in positive and not so positive or even negative ways is really important to demonstrate. But that the idea also that there could be these three different people who all have a Joker identity. And either it's some version of uh, the multiverse coming into play, or it's other, some other element of the storytelling. Three different people who responded to you know the, the force that is Batman by becoming twisted versions of themselves. And uh, it, it manifesting as this Joker character. Maybe even... Uh, the other two emulating the third, or it just being this uh, psychological reaction to a challenge like someone like the Batman. All right, that's great. And uh, what about you, Ari? Is this something that you're uh, looking forward to? The Three Jokers has... Uh, it's it's really excited me, I think, since the theory originally came out when Batman uh, talked to the Mobius chair and everything. Um, but... I think that it's been also been a little frustrating because ever since that was sort of announced, 
they haven't really addressed it, but you always have to second guess yourself now, being like, is that the same Joker or is it a different Joker? Which Joker is this really? You know, what are the differences between the three Jokers? So, I that's been a little frustrating. I think the weight has, but John's again is a very very capable writer. He's very good at connecting things like this. So I I have no doubt he'll tell and explain it well. Um, I just I hope that you know it sort of fixes or or stops the second guessing um, in uh, from from then on. Yeah, that three Jokers storyline. I think uh, I think it'll be one of those ones that people will be talking about for years. And with it being Jeff Johns, I mean, you know the quality is going to be high. Speaking of Jeff Johns, uh, he has another series coming out soon. And it's a it's a brand new Shazam ongoing series, which is coming out later this year. It'll, like I said, it'll be written by Jeff Johns with art by Dale Eaglesham. And it'll be the first Shazam comic to be, to be released in several years. And it's coming out just in time uh, for the live action movie, which comes out early 2019. No other official details have been released, so I just kind of want to get your guys' quick thoughts on this. Uh, Ari, what do you think about a brand new Shazam ongoing series? I'm really excited to see Shazam return to, to comics. I think that um, he's a he's a really great character. Um, I know a lot of fans are not uh, are not really happy with how he is reimagined in the new 52, but. Um, I I've always liked the character, and I think so. So has Johns, and I think it's going to really introduce characters to the, or introduce people to the character before the movie, um, and I think that uh, it's really going to add a lot. Captain Marvel has so much behind that sort of area in the DC universe that hasn't necessarily been explored, and Johns is just the person to add to that mythos. Um, I think that you know if you, you have to understand that we can't really we can't really call a character Captain Marvel anymore um, just because of Marvel and DC being what they are. Um, but also, you know, I know a lot of people grew up on on when he was Captain Marvel, and so I understand how important that is to them. And I think Johns does too. And so I'm hoping I'm hoping that. You know he's able to uh, he's able to um, make both audiences happy, and that's going to be a hard task. But uh, Johns is a great writer, and I, I think he's up for it. All right, great. And uh, what about you, Seth? What uh, what are your thoughts on this new Shazam series by Jeff Johns? I think the new Shazam series makes complete sense. I think uh, the fact that we haven't had a chance to see as much from Shazam. Or uh, even as he's known but not always allowed to be referred to as Captain Marvel. Uh, I think it's great and yes, tying it into the lead up to the movie is of course a really smart move. Billy Batson is a character who now has a, a new sort of um, beginning. Different from what we had seen in the old canon uh, pre-crisis and even post. And I think it's a chance to sort of tell that for an audience and almost maybe generation that never got a chance to experience his stories and only did if they dug in through the old ones. They never had the chance to see him experience uh, other decades and seeing him now in a more modern version is not only an opportunity to see him in a new light 
and presented with modern challenges without the support network that he eventually created and we came to kind of know him by, like the family and all those aspects. But I also think it's a great opportunity to talk about a kid who has to learn how to be a hero and the challenges of being a kid and an adult hero and acting differently in both situations and also about growing up. So I think it's going to be a really enjoyable time. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. You can count me among the buyers. And another new series that I'm really looking forward to is this uh, new Green Lantern series coming from Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp. It'll be called The Green Lantern, and it'll focus on Hale Jordan. It'll be um, more like a police procedural. The basic concept is that Hale Jordan is a space cop that patrols a sector of the universe where anything can happen. In an interview with IGN, Morrison said, Instead of the big, epic 12-part stories, we're focusing down on the everyday life of a space cop. Uh, basically, it's no more apocalypse-ending storylines. The Green Lantern is set to come out this November, so I just wanted to, again, get your guys' thoughts on this new series uh, by Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp. Is this something you're looking forward to? I'm going to start with you, Seth. What are your thoughts on The Green Lantern? Yeah, I'm going to be honest, I like the idea of the new Green Lantern, mostly because whenever Morrison starts getting curious with a character and decides he wants to take him in a way that's different from what we're used to or would expect, uh, he usually leads into some really great areas. He doesn't just make a decision and then decide to have fun with it. He decides to have fun with it with a purpose. And when he does, he points out all the different ways that we hadn't considered how life is for this character and how they manage it on a day-to-day or situation-by-situation response, but also what it's like to manage this sector that we know to be 2814, that's different from Earth, that has all this uh, cast of other characters and problems and issues and how they might conflict with each other. And the idea of a police procedural is actually something we've seen uh, be a really positive thing it was one of the reasons why, uh, you know, the series directly about the uh, GCPD, Gotham City Police Department, was as popular as it was. And I think that other detective series have shown that, yes, when you do a procedural as a detective, as a police, as a uh, even military, that if you present the compelling elements of the story correctly, it's going to be great whether you labor it procedural or not. And I have a lot of faith in what Morrison's done so far. I think he's going to do a great job with Hal Jordan and his new Green Lantern series. Awesome. And uh, what about you, Ari? Are you looking forward to this series? Morrison Green Lantern is probably the series that I'm most excited for. I think that Morrison is... Morrison's definitely my favorite writer in DC uh, history. I think that he can add detail to a a corner of the DC Universe so well um, that whenever he gets his hands on a title, it, it it just adds so much depth to it. And so DC in space is really, you know, there are a lot of gaps. Um, and Hal Jordan has never really been my, my, uh, my favorite Green Lantern, as blasphemous as that is. I grew up with the animated series and Jon Stewart, Um, And I really appreciated that soldier mentality. I also really loved Kyle Rayner and his really just well done, like, artistic constructions. 
and I love I love the story behind Jessica Cruz's character as well. So I've never really been as attached to Hal Jordan, um, but this series looks to change that, and so I'm really excited to how to see how uh, Morrison is going to you know even if he doesn't expand sort of DC space lore, I think he's going to provide so much depth to Hal Jordan the character that I'm just so excited for this series. Yeah, I think this will be a, a really uh, interesting series, you know, getting away from the the, the big, you know, like universe-threatening type of storylines and, and kind of grounding it a bit more, uh, even though it's still in space, I think will be uh, really an interesting take on, on, these, on this character, and it's something I'm, I'm really looking forward to. Uh, and so for our last story in the comic book news section, we travel right back to Gotham for Batman and Joker Deadly Duo. Mark Silvestri will be writing, drawing, and inking the series, uh, which is anticipated to run for seven issues. The story's premise is that someone has stolen something from the Joker, so he kidnaps Jim Gordon and tortures him to get Batman to team up with him. Uh, DC co-publisher Dan DiDio said that they won't announce a release date until Silvestri has completed drawing the entire limited series. So uh, I just kind of want to talk about this kind of weird Batman Joker team-up book that's uh, going to be coming out. I, I think it'll be kind of interesting. I know there's a lot of Batman stuff out there, a lot of even you know a lot of Joker stuff. We had the three Jokers book and now another Joker book coming out. But uh, I think it could be. You know, intriguing seeing Batman and Joker forced to team up, you know, for this reason. So I'm going to start with you, Ari. What are your thoughts on Batman-Joker Deadly Duo? So when I hear something like Batman and Joker teaming up, I ask myself, like, do we really, do we really need something like that? And I don't think we do necessarily. I think we might actually have a little too much Batman, as ridiculous as that may sound. Um, you know, we have on all the whole Bat Family series. We have Batman Damned. You have the Batman Who Laughs. You have Three Jokers. There's so much Batman being told right now that I just don't think there's much to. There's something that needs to be said with Batman and Joker teaming up, and so. Does that is that going to stop me from reading it? Of course not. I always, you know, like to give everything a try, but I right now I'm just I don't see why that's necessarily a good idea. All right, and uh, what about you, Seth? Is is Deadly Duo something that uh, you're looking forward to at all? Yeah, I'm going to be 100 percent honest on this one. When it comes to uh, Batman and Joker and the team up, I mean, I want to get excited. But I also know that it's really going to come down to the two of them trusting each other. And the fact that it starts out with the Joker kidnapping Gordon and then using him to pressure Batman into helping him tells me that Batman has to rely on the fact that Joker is going to burn him. And that when he does, uh, he'll betray his trust and he'll have to choose to either catch Joker or save Gordon. And of course he's going to choose Gordon. So it's really hard for me to get too excited about something that I feel I understand already. And until I hear of a more compelling hook than what I've already described, it's going to be tough for me to just jump right over and pick it up. I mean, I'll keep up on the news and look for that opportunity. But right now, the story alone isn't enough to catch me and uh, make me want to go out and buy it. 
Excellent. And for our very last uh, news story, we go into the world of video games, something that uh, you know we don't really get a lot of news about in general. Uh, they're, you know, DC video games are kind of few and far between since they take so long to, uh, you know, to, to, to produce and everything. But we did get a trailer for Lego DC Supervillains. And I gotta say, I'm pretty excited for this. I love uh, the Lego DC games. I love the Lego DC uh, animated films. You know, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. And uh, when I heard that they were doing a Lego DC game based on the supervillains, I thought that was a really intriguing uh, premise because, you know, it's all, you know, all the ones up to right now have been, you know, Lego DC superheroes. So taking it from the perspective of the supervillains, I think, was a nice change of pace. And in this uh, game, we see the Justice Syndicate, uh, otherwise known as the Crime Syndicate uh, from the comics and other things. They have sent the Justice League to some unknown place, and so the villains have to step up and uh, take on the Justice Syndicate to save the DC Universe. Uh, I thought the, the trailer looked pretty awesome. Looks like a cool game. The premise is great, like I said. Uh, I kind of wish that it was an animated movie because I'm, I'm, I'm more into the, the animated films than, than the games in general. But I still love the, the games. So I just kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on this trailer. Uh, is it something that you're going to be playing at all? Something that you're interested in? Uh, I'm going to start with uh, you, Seth. What do you think about the trailer for Lego DC Supervillains? Hey, you know what? I think it's a great opportunity when uh, <laughs> when we wrap up with something about video game news. Um, I'm going to be honest, I don't have a system anymore. Last time I played a Lego game was on a PS2, and that was way back when they were first coming out with the Star Wars games. Um, but I do love the idea of a Lego game that features the DC supervillains. I think a lot of people enjoy when they get a chance to play the villain side of things, and I think that the video game trailer uh, really gave an opportunity for the people who get excited about that stuff to get excited about DC supervillains and about seeing them in a Lego storyline in a video game that they can control and play a role in. All right. And uh, what about you, Ari? Is this something that you're looking forward to at all? So I'm in a position where I don't really have a video game system to play something like LEGO DC Supervillains right now, but the trailer made me really excited. You know, it brought me back to when I played a ton of those LEGO games, LEGO Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Harry Potter, LEGO Batman. I played I played all of those, and I had, always had a lot of fun because, you know, it's it's uh, it, it's got a story. Um, you, you, there's so, there's so much to explore, there's so much replay value, and, you know, every character that you unlock is like a little Easter egg, you know, they, they ha they really are able to dive deep and pick some very interesting characters that people might not have heard of before these games, so I'm super excited, um, and if I can get my hands on it and try it out, I definitely would do that. All right, and that about wraps up everything for this episode of DC Comics News. Uh, there was one final thing that I wanted to do. It's a, it's a very important thing. Um, a great pillar of the geek community, John Schnepp, passed away over Comic-Con weekend. And uh, you know he was a big inspiration to me and to a lot of other people out there. 
He did the documentary "The Death of Superman Lives: What Happened." He also, uh, you know, directed a lot of episodes of uh, Metalocalypse. He worked on things like the Venture Brothers, the Black Panther animated series. He was a comic book artist. He was a host on Collider Movie Talk and Collider Heroes. You know, he did you know a lot of amazing things. He was an amazing person, and I just want to. Uh, Give you know, a moment of silence in tribute to John Schnepp. All right, thank you for that. And you can uh, head over to John Schnepp's uh, Twitter page uh, or to his fiance Holly K. Payne. And there are links uh, for a GoFundMe so you can uh, donate to help out with the astronomical uh, medical expenses, funeral costs, and everything that uh, she'll have to deal with now since he has passed away. You know, any, you know, even, you know, even a dollar, anything will help. So please, please, please head over there, donate what you can, um, you know, give your, your love and support to Holly and Schnepp's family in this trying time. I really appreciate it. All right, and so like I said, that wraps up this episode of the DC Comics News Podcast. I'd like to thank my co-hosts today, Mr. Seth Singleton. Seth, tell them, uh, uh, tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, hey, Joshua. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate the opportunity to talk over some great comic news with, uh, with you and Ari. Um, and yeah, as far as my info, uh, you can go ahead and find me, um, by email at sethsingleton at gmail.com. You can also listen to my podcast, uh, Storytelling with Seth. It's available on iTunes and Google Play and anywhere else that you get your, uh, podcast from. Um, and I'm also on a number of other social media. Just look for the word Seth and Storyteller and you should be able to find me. And, uh, yeah, man, thanks again. I really appreciate the chance to be on here and talk with you guys. Oh, and, of course, please check in weekly. I've got reviews up on DC Comics News. We love reviewing comic books and all things about comics, movies, and news and the, uh, the culture. And uh, it's a great place to keep up and check up. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on the comics I review and the stories that Joshua and Ari tell. Thanks again, guys, and look forward to the chance to get back on here and tell what I think about comic news, comic stories, and more. Okay, right, And uh, Mr. Ari Bard, uh, let everybody know where they can find you. Uh, thank you very much for having me, Josh, and thank you, Seth, for uh, joining us as well. And uh, it was great to be here. You can find me writing for DC Comics News. I do weekly reviews and articles, uh, and this was a great time. I had a lot of fun. All right, and you can find me, Josh Rayner, on Twitter at JP Rayner, at Movie Blog Merc, and of course at DC Comics News on uh, all social media platforms. You can find DC Comics News on Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Twitter. Hit us up, www.dccomicsnews.com, for all the latest news in the world of DC. And as always, read more comics.
Well, there it was. My first time as a uh, guest on a podcast. And that was with DC Comics News. That was with Editor-in-Chief Josh Rayner. And with uh, news and reviewer Ari Bard. A um, couple of things I left out in my intro. Yes, we paid a short tribute to uh, John Schnepp. And if uh, you're a fan of the uh, Superman lore, Man of Steel, and are curious about some of that um, mythology that was circling around and still does Nicolas Cage and his bid to play Superman, John Schnepp uh, is the one who brought all that to the surface with his Whatever Happened to the Death of Superman. It's a brilliant documentary, and it was clearly a labor of love and an opportunity for him to bring to light something that had remained in the shadows for a lot of not only DC Comics fans, but overall fans in general who simply did not know that there had been this opportunity that never came to fruition. Um, that was probably the, the biggest takeaway after getting a chance to listen to that again and uh, thinking about some of the uh, revelations also probably is going to be the, uh, the launch of DC Universe. Um, that's, a, that's a big change coming. It's a reflection of the growing um, pay-per-app service streaming option. That is how we're breaking up on entertainment. But um, as I mentioned at the time and as I am now, I'm a fan. And I went ahead and made my investment simply uh, for the catalog option and the new content I couldn't say no to the price point because when I got in early uh, yeah there were those uh, three free months that Joshua had mentioned and that was simply too good to pass up I pay more than that uh, for some of my other services so for something that I really enjoy like that this was something I wanted to take advantage of I could probably blabber on and on about everything else that was uh, in that podcast, but you heard it for yourself, and if you got any questions or comments, that's probably the thing I'd really like to respond to. I'd hate to guess at what caught your attention. I'd rather hear about it so that I can get back to you and give you some feedback, because that's how we can enjoy a conversation about some of the things that I'm recording here for you. Looking forward to the next opportunity to be a guest on a podcast for either DC Comics News, or the next great opportunity that comes my way. I hope that you'll be here when I do, and in the meantime, I look forward to the next chance to share a story with you. Thanks for listening to Storytelling with Seth. If you have any questions or comments, or just want to leave me some form of feedback, sethsingleton at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram as seththewriter, and if you just put the words storytelling and Seth into a search engine, I'm going to pop up somewhere. Also, if you're following me from one of the streaming platforms and you want to let me know that you like me better out there than somewhere else or that you just want to let me know that you're hearing me and where you're hearing me from, love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. Be coming to you again soon with another story. Thank you again for listening to Storytelling with Seth. Whether you're listening on Anchor, Radio Public, Breaker, iOS, Google Play, or one of the many other platforms available, I appreciate you taking the time to listen. And if 
you're one of those generous supporters, thank you. If you didn't know, you can support my podcast while you're listening to this recording. Feel free to take a look for the link that says to support me. Should be a really simple little button. And if you're having any trouble, don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. And I'll make sure that I'll do my best to help. But your listening, your continued support is what makes these podcasts possible. And I couldn't do it without you. So thank you again, not only for listening, but for your generous support and for all the different platforms that you listen to Storytelling with Seth. I look forward to sharing my next story with you soon.